Welcome to Hope for Right Now, a Walking with Purpose podcast. Walking with Purpose is a Catholic women's apostolate that creates fresh and relevant Bible studies to lead women to personally know Christ through Scripture. Hi, I'm Lisa Brennickmeyer, and I'm joined by Laura Phelps. We are two friends passionate about unpacking God's Word and applying it to our everyday lives. Each week, we will step out of the discouragement the world provides by grabbing hold of the hope we find in God's Word. Never have we been more convinced of the importance of women being grounded in hope. No matter where you are in the spiritual journey, we pray you'll stick around because God has a word for your heart and His word changes everything. So open your heart, open your Bible, and invite God in. Hello and welcome back to the Hope for Right Now podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Brennickmeyer. And I am your other host, Laura Phelps, and I am so excited. We are starting a new series today, and it's called The Psalms of Ascent. We're inviting you on a Lenten pilgrimage right from the comfort of your own home. How lovely. On this journey, we're going to be exploring the Psalms of Ascent. The word translated ascent means to go up. It gives an idea of being on a journey, moving to a higher place spiritually. Lisa, since we're going to dive deeper into these particular psalms during Lent, would you mind explaining just a little bit about, A, what makes them so special, and B, why you think this part of the liturgical season is such a good time to explore them? Sure, I'm happy to. And I could just rest forever in the psalms because there's just so much to be learned from them. And it always makes me think back to when I first started reading the Bible regularly. And this is where I started with bribery, actually, because my mom would pay me a dollar if I'd read one psalm and one chapter in Proverbs every day. So on the fifth of the month, I'd read Psalm 5 and Proverbs 5. And then when I get to Psalm 31 and Proverbs 31, I would just go back and start all over again. So I never actually got to the Psalms of Ascent, which start with Psalm 120, but the habit stuck. So I just, I've always really loved the Psalms. And I think that Eugene Peterson does such a great job of summarizing why we love the Psalms so much. And he wrote this. He said, there is no literature in all the world that is more true to life and more honest than the Psalms. For here we have warts and all religion. Every skeptical thought, every disappointing venture, every pain, every despair that we can face is lived through and integrated into a personal saving relationship with God. So if we're going to build on our last series, which was to encounter Jesus personally through his I am statements, I think that this call to be real in a relationship with him is such a perfect follow-up. So that's, that's why. That's why we picked these. And there are 150 chapters in the book of Psalms. And in the middle of it, you find this special group of Psalms. And if you've got your Bible, open it up and take a look. And if you open up to Psalm 121, you'll see the phrase, a song of a sense. And it's going to be right near the chapter number. And this is the stuff that, I don't know, oftentimes we just skip over when we're reading the Bible, but there are little little nuggets, little treasures of truth that are in there because they're explaining to us why these were written for what they were written. And there are 15 Psalms that have got this label, Psalms of Ascent, which is Psalms 120 through 134. And like you just said, Laura, the word that we translate ascents means to go up, to move to a higher place spiritually. And I think it's really cool that these psalms were actually songs and they were sung by the Israelite people when they would go on pilgrimage. 
especially they were sung three times a year by the pilgrims who were traveling up to Jerusalem because Jerusalem was up on a hill. The temple was up on a hill and they'd be going there for three annual feasts at the temple. Okay. So that's kind of interesting history, but you might be wondering what all of that has got to do with us. What was their call to go on a pilgrimage? What does that have to do with us today? Well, it actually has a lot to do with us because we are actually called to set our hearts on pilgrimage. And that's really what we're going to be doing this Lent. Psalm 84, 5 talks about a source of strength that's found in a person in whose heart are the highways to Zion. Okay. And whose heart are the highways to Zion? What does that mean? Well, Zion is another way of saying heaven. So this means that there is a highway in our hearts and it's leading us to heaven. But whether or not we're going to stay on that road is up to us. And in his book, Wisdom of the Heart, Peter Kraft writes, these highways are actions, habits, both inner and outer, physical and spiritual. And there are many forks on these highways. These forks are choices between alternate roads and the different roads lead to different destinations, different ends, just as surely as physical roads do. And there's another kind of spiritual highway, the highways of the mind. There too, different roads lead to different destinations. And that's really that second part. What we're going to be focusing on as we delve into the Psalms, we're going to be recognizing that we come to forks in the road, very often dictated by our circumstances, where we have a choice. We have a choice which highway we're going to take, which way we're going to allow our mind to travel. And one is going to lead us to eternal perspectives. It's going to lead us towards heaven. It's going to lead us towards hope. And the other is going to lead us towards despair, which is obviously not what any of us want. Another interesting thing about these particular psalms, the Songs of Ascent, is they were also sung by the exiles when they were returning to Jerusalem. So when they were coming home after they had been in captivity in Babylon for 70 years. And I wonder if some of us listening today really can relate to exiles, because maybe you know what it feels like to be in captivity to your past, or maybe you feel in captivity to habits that you absolutely hate, or maybe you're in captivity to thoughts that you are really, really struggling to control. And if that's where you're at today, I think it's so encouraging to just remember that these Psalms were sung by people just like you and me, people who wanted to get to a place of greater freedom and closeness to God. And when you're on a journey like that, a pilgrimage like that, which is what Lent is all about, it's important for us to know that just as it was for them, it's going to be hard for us to stay on the road, especially mentally. The battle takes place most often in the mind, and we're going to see how the Psalms of Ascent can help us in the midst of circumstances that make it super hard for our minds to stay focused on what they're supposed to stay focused on. So, Laura, I would love it if you would introduce us to our first Psalm of Ascent, Psalm 121, and then tell us what this particular episode is going to be about. I would love to. So we've chosen to kick off our pilgrimage with Psalm 121, and we've given this episode the title, When Everything Feels Out of Control. But before we dive into the psalm, I just want to share some of our thoughts like the thought process that we had behind today's title. So Lisa and I, like, we don't believe that there's a single listener that needs to be told that life is uncertain, the journey's hard, and that sometimes we find ourselves so overwhelmed that we don't know what to do. We believe that we all know this, but what we also believe is that far too many of us allow the uncertain, the hard, the overwhelming to take us out at the knees. 
And when this happens, when everything feels out of control, where do we go? Right. Who do we turn to? Where's our focus? It's kind of like those forks in the roads you just mentioned, Lisa. Right. Like what alternate road do we choose when nothing makes sense and everything is unraveling? Psalm 121, as you're going to hear in just a minute, it actually makes an extraordinary claim, the claim that the Lord is our source of help. When everything feels out of control, we can then turn to Psalm 121 and be assured of God's protection. So I'm really excited to start this pilgrimage. How about you, Lisa? Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So if you haven't yet opened your Bibles, do so now, my friends, Psalm 121, and we are going to dive in. Psalm 121, Assurance of God's Protection, A Song of Ascents. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Thanks, Laura. I just, I love those verses. It's so good to just even close your eyes and and listen to those because there's just so much truth in them. And it's comforting to me. You know, it's interesting. There's a change that happens between verses one and two and three to eight, which we're probably not going to catch as we're listening to it, but you might see it more if you're looking um, in your Bible. And in the first two verses of this Psalm, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. The psalmist is talking then in the first person, but then in verse three, it switches to third person. And what that means is that either someone is talking to the psalmist or the psalmist has started to preach to himself. And I like that idea of him preaching to himself because this is something that we've got to be able to do if we're going to stay on the road on our pilgrimage, the road that we want to be on, the road that leads to to heaven, right? The road that leads to hope. And when I feel like I'm slipping and nobody's paying attention to my pain, I don't know if any of you relate to that feeling when you feel so, so alone in it. I need to preach to myself, Lisa, God will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. And there's a key word in verse four, behold. Did you catch that? Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. And whenever we see the word behold in a passage, this is anywhere in the Bible, it's supposed to cause us to stop and really pay attention. It's more than taking a quick look. When we see behold, it's meant to totally encompass our attention, like someone has pulled us over beside them, made us focus on something and said, stop what you're doing right now. Come over here. Look over there. Keep your eyes on that. Isn't that absolutely incredible? And that's what John the Baptist is doing when he says, behold, the Lamb of God. So here in Psalm 121, verse 4, we're supposed to pay attention. Behold, God who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. So think about that. That means that there is nothing he has missed. He has always been paying attention. Every moment of your past 
and right now. He is watching over what's going on attentively. And then in verses five and six, we're promised, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. And other words for keeper are bodyguard and sentry. And other words for shade are protection and shelter. So Laura, do any of those other descriptions of God resonate with you as you hear that? Oh my gosh. Well, I think all of them, <laughs> like 100%, but specifically, I so appreciate that you gave those other words for keeper and shade, because what really speaks to me are the words bodyguard and protection, because safety is such a theme with me. It just runs so deep in my soul. In our last series, I shared a little bit about my marriage, about different struggles that my husband and I faced. And really, I was thinking about it. When you get down to the root of all that went sideways, it was always my desire to feel safe and to feel protected and that those desires were not being met. And, you know, that's for good reason, right? Because I was looking to my husband really for the things that only God could provide. But I have to tell you, years ago, I encountered a stranger who I 100% believe was a messenger of God. And I just want to share this story quickly because I think it fits the theme of today's episode really, really perfectly. And I wrote about it in my book, Sweet Cross. It was during the summer and my family, we had just driven to Rhode Island for this impromptu vacation. And just moments before we pulled out of the driveway, we received an unsettling phone call. And it was news that honestly, it shook me to my core. And the details of that circumstances, um, not necessary. You don't need to know like what actually was happening. What you do need to know is that I was afraid. And this was the kind of fear that puts your stomach in a knot and you can't think straight. And the thought of praying, like that doesn't even cross your mind, right? Because you're just so irritated with God for allowing the unrest to happen in the first place. The news destroyed my plan, right? It was a plan that I believed was going to work. And by work, I really mean solving every problem and healing every wound that had afflicted my family. And all it took was just this one phone call to disrupt the plan, the peace, and the hope. And, and the hope was that God was working. And after years of living in chaos, things would finally remain under control. So just to have a picture here, emotionally, I was not in a good place. And as it turned out, there was a church on the corner of the street of the house that we were vacationing at. So on that first morning, I took a stroll alone to Mass, and it was after Mass that I was gathering my belongings, and I felt this presence behind me. There was somebody behind me. And when I turned around, there was this elderly man, and he looked at me, and he said, the Lord will take care of you. And I will be honest. It was a little weird. <laughs> it was like a little bit creepy. I, I'd never seen this man before. I'd never been to this church before. And so immediately I'm thinking like, oh, this must be that lonely old man who just goes around saying this to random people throughout the church. But then he spoke again. And it was revealed that these words were not random. This encounter was not random because after he said, the Lord will take care of you, he looked at me and he said, he told me to tell you. And I would love to say that in that very moment, the Holy Spirit flooded me and all the anxiety disappeared. But what actually happened was that I spent months trying to figure out what the Lord will take care of you meant. Was this good news? Right? Like, like was the Lord going to resolve everything? Is that what he meant? Or was this bad news? Because then I started thinking, wait, the man was in a red shirt and isn't red the color of martyrs. And so is he telling me that somebody's going to die? Like, 
Talk about highways of the mind, Lisa. Okay, like I was speeding down every alternate route. And it wasn't until I think a year, a year later that I would understand what this message meant. And it was revealed to me in a book by Dr. Suri. It's called Walking with Mary, A Biblical Journey from Nazareth to the Cross. And there's a chapter in this book where he walks us through the angel Gabriel's message to Our Lady. He goes line by line and he unpacks the Annunciation. And now if you could just imagine yourself for a minute, right, in Mary's shoes, angel appearing, changing the course of your life, one might feel like everything's a little bit out of control, right? But the angel tells Mary not to be afraid, do not be afraid. But but what I love is verse 28 in Luke. So it's Luke 1, 28. And right after he tells her, don't be afraid, the angel says this, the Lord is with you. And this is what Dr. Suri writes. He says, let us consider the angel's assurance. The Lord is with you. Throughout the Bible, these words of greeting were used to address men and women who were called by God for a special task, one that would have impact on all of Israel. Their mission would require much generosity, many sacrifices, and great trust. And that is why they were given the assurance that they would not have to face these trials alone. God would be with them, guiding, protecting, and strengthening them. That changed everything when I read it. I I, I finally understood this message that I received. And I believe, I believe that my overwhelming circumstance, that was not a sign that God didn't care or was not in control or that I was unsafe or left unprotected. I think it was the exact opposite. This was God summoning me to a higher vocation and trusting me with a great mission. And because he loves me so much, because he cares so much about me, he sent someone to tell me, right? He sent someone to say, the Lord will take care of you. Just as the angel assured Mary that she was protected and not alone, he did the same thing for me. He sent me somebody. He assured me that I was protected. I was not alone, that God was with me, right? And so that's why I love those words. You know, he is my keeper and my shade. And he's this, he's these all of the time, right? Verse eight says, the Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. So in other words, always, right? Like all of the time, during the day, during the night, no matter what, you are protected. I am here with you. And so I just, I just love it. I love that we're doing this, Lisa. Mm-hmm. And I need, I need to be reminded of that truth all the time because I can so quickly feel abandoned or just feel like it's all up to me. And I need to counter those, those lies in my mind with, with the truth of scripture. And I was recently with my, my nose in scripture. And what I was doing is I was praying Psalm 121 over one of my kids this weekend. So it just interesting timing, right? So I'm praying through the Bible for this child and I'm writing prayers in the margins. I'm claiming promises and looking for character traits that I want to see in this child and underlying things I want this child to avoid and praying against those things. And as I was praying through these verses of Psalm 121, I came to the line, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. And I had to pause because as I was prepping to write a prayer for this child, all I could think was, I have actually watched the rug being pulled out from under this child this year. And God's word says, he will not let your foot be moved. But the feet were nonetheless moved. And 
This has always been a super special psalm to me, probably because it's the first passage of scripture that I had my oldest Amy memorize when she was four. And she needed a poem for a preschool presentation, and she memorized this, complete with little hand motions. And I can't ever think about this psalm without picturing her little blonde head in a sea of dark-haired kids in Guadalajara, Mexico. And as I think about that little four-year-old, a lot in her world really felt out of control and, frankly, in her mom's life, too. We had just moved from Germany to Mexico, and none of us spoke any Spanish at that point, unless you count learning to count from one to 10 in Spanish on Sesame Street, which really does not get you very far in a foreign country. And so in this school, Amy was there learning Spanish just by immersion, and she was the only blonde in her school. She obviously had that language barrier to contend with, and nobody would talk to her. So I think we often think cross-culturally with kids, it's no big deal. Yeah, not not so much. Kids can also sniff out when someone is different. And morning after morning, you know, she would go and no one would talk to her and kids would literally turn their backs on her on the playground. And she was in this ground floor classroom and I would drop her off at school and then I would just stand outside the school and watch because I could see her window and I just didn't even want to go home. And I would watch as she would crawl up on the windowsill the minute that her teacher turned her back and she would actually try to get out. And It was such a hard season. And I bet a lot of you are going, what is wrong with you? Why did you not just pull her out and homeschool her? Um, Eventually, I did homeschool her. But at that time, I just felt like we needed to at least try to give it a couple days. That's what I'd been advised to do. And it was just such a hard season. And there was so much I could not fix about her circumstances. But I knew that I wanted these truths, the truths of Psalm 121, to be in my four-year-old's mind and heart. And so at that point, all those years ago, I can remember thinking that if I have her memorize this, and then I make sure I watch over her like a mama bear, that I'm going to be able to guarantee that she will be kept from evil. And I really, I really thought I could make sure that nothing would touch her. And now I'm praying Psalm 121 over another of my children. And on some level, it just looks like those prayers are not working or that God is asleep. That's what it feels like. I just have to be honest. But then I have to go past my feelings. This is the discipline we've got to all walk out. It is so, so hard. But I need to go past my feelings to say, is it true? Because just because I feel it does not mean it's true. My feelings are real. But what they might lead me to assume is not always true. And so I just learned something that helped me with this, and maybe it'll help you too. So as you're reading through the Psalms, some of the Psalms, and an example of this would be Psalm 120, just that Psalm before the one we're looking at it, they're pleas, they're prayers. So the Psalmist is asking for something, and we don't know if God answered his prayer with a yes. But Psalm 121 is not a plea. It is a psalm about the assurance of God's protection. So I think it's important that we know exactly what we are being promised to be protected from. Because maybe God is not promising that the rug will never be pulled out from under us. Maybe he is promising that we can count on the fact that he will not fall asleep on the job. He did not promise that there wouldn't be storms or tsunamis but he promises to empower us to stand through them. 
And I'm looking at that last section of Psalm 121, verses 7 through 8, what you just mentioned, Laura, that the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. And as I look at that, it seems to me like what God is primarily concerned about in this psalm is keeping your life. And that is a long-range focus. And we might be looking at the short term, and in the short term, we don't feel guarded. We don't feel protected. We don't feel sheltered. But here's the thing. We don't see all he has protected us from. And so lately, I've been asking myself, how often did God shade me and keep something from burning me? How often did God block things from striking me? How often has God kept me from evil? watched over my going out and my coming in and intervened. And you know, my friends, the truth is I have no idea. With myself, with my kids, I have no idea just how much God has protected us. I have no idea just how much worse things could have been. And this is a truth that I cling to and I cling to it for myself and I cling to it for my kids. And it's harder to cling to this for my kids because I just so desperately want things to be easier for them. But here's the thing. God has allowed enough heartache and hardship for me to grow in spiritual maturity and dependence on him. And he is allowing enough heartache and hardship in my children's lives for them to grow in spiritual maturity and dependence on him, but not an ounce more than has been necessary. And what he has allowed has never been for the purpose of destruction. It has always been for my good and growth. And I cannot see the result of all of this now, but I believe with all my heart that one day I will. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Oh, my friend, you will. You will. And like, that's isn't that what just saves us so many times of just... Yeah, pulling back that veil and seeing it all, um, it will happen. And, and let me just say, like, well, all of that was so incredible. And I'm just picturing little Amy climbing out a window and and you just broke my heart in so many different ways. <laughs> so beautiful. But also you just ended there with such great questions to ask, right? Like, and it, what a flip around, really. What a flip around, because we're really good, I think, at asking God the why, right? And where are you? Where were you? I think the moment something doesn't go our way or it feels uncomfortable or causes us any kind of pain, we can be very quick to shake our fists at him, which is why I really am loving getting to know the Psalms, right? Because in the Psalms, that's where we find all of the whys and all of the how longs. And um, it's, it's just all throughout these prayers and these pleas. And I think that's so comforting, but also so helpful for us on this pilgrimage. As you referred to it earlier, Lisa, that this is kind of the call to be real in our relationship with God. You know, so we are, we're already moving forward. We're already spiritually moving up since we started our very first podcast episode. And I'm currently reading the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible on the book of Psalms. And in the introduction, Scott Hahn wrote something that I want to share because I thought it was really beautiful. He said, the popularity of the Psalter is due to many things but mainly to its ability to draw people into dialogue with the Lord. And I love that, right? Like that's what we need to be doing, draw into dialogue with the Lord. It shows us what a prayerful relationship with God actually looks like in the varied circumstances of life, from the heights of joy to the depths of pain and despair to everything in between. The Psalms supply us with suitable words for bringing our lives before God and for seeking his glory 
and blessings. And I just thought that was really perfect and really beautiful. And I'll be throwing that one in the show notes. But I'd love to comment on two things specifically that you said, Lisa, because I think these two things are really crucial in developing this personal relationship with Jesus that we're all seeking and now that getting real with him. So the first is the importance of really knowing God's promises. And I learned this as probably every listener, like we learned this from you, Lisa. Okay. Like you are the teacher for me on this. And I think it was one time you were speaking about suffering and the disappointment that we experience. And you posed this question. You asked, could it be that we are holding God to promises he never made? And that is so good. I've actually, I've used that in some talks. I'm totally stealing that from you. It's so good because it's so true. Because it's true. He never promised that the journey would be easy. In fact, what he promised was that there would be trouble. Just look at John 16, In the world, you will have tribulations, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Or maybe you know the translation, in the world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have conquered the world. I chose this one because I think the but be of good cheer is kind of funny. <laughs> like, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. But it's true. And when I learned how to read scripture to hear God's voice. It was Isaiah 43.2 that opened my eyes to what I think God promises versus what he actually promises. So Isaiah 43.2 says, when you pass through waters, I will be with you. Through rivers, you shall not be swept away. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, nor will flames consume you. And it was when I was getting into scripture, learning how to understand it. It it was reading this verse. It was the word when, to be specific, that really hit me. When, not if, right? And this is when my eyes were opened to his actual promises, to the true promises. When you pass through waters, when you walk through the fire, I will be with you. That's the promise, that I will be with you. But I I think we hear this verse. And we think that the promise is that there won't be the dangers, like he's going to eliminate that, right? Like he's going to get rid of the fire in the waters. But that's a totally incorrect interpretation. What God is saying is that, oh, no, oh, no, you will face rough, choppy waters, make no mistake, and, and you will actually face the fire, too. Or, you know, in context of our title, it could say, like, everything's going to be spinning out of control. That will happen. But take heart. Because I will rescue you. This is what this verse is about. This is the promise. The promise is not that there's no fire and there's no water and there's no trouble. It's that we have somebody that's going to rescue us. He will rescue us. And this, this verse, this verse helps me to stay on the road. It helps keep me there. Look, it is okay to ask why. It's okay to ask God how long. And trust me, I do. (laughs) I do. But I've been learning to train my thoughts in such a way that I can detect the lies. You know, the lies that are the alternate roads in my mind that, oh my gosh, they lead to all sorts of crazy places you don't even want to know. I heard Christophanic say once, he said, your mind is like a dangerous neighborhood. Don't go there alone. And such true words, my friends. So true. That mental game is real. And we have got to take the time to train our thoughts. Right? Like we've got to create new pathways. And um, I know everybody's heard me talk, sing the praises of the Walking with Purpose Prayer Journal. I don't get commission, I promise you. 
the reason I don't shut up about it is because it has taught me how to do this. It has taught me how to look at my thoughts, but then to turn to God and to ask him like, hey, can you just help me identify all the lie-based thinking? Because I am on the wrong road. You know, and this is why we love Bible study, right? This is why Bible study is absolutely essential for mental health. When we learn about God's character and the way that he speaks and, and loves, gosh, the way he loves us, we can recognize and remember then what is true. That's what this prayer journal, that's what scripture study, that is what has helped me. And so I'm actually at a place now where the moment I recognize that I am on an alternate road, I literally toss the lie out of my head. And this is something we can all do. I will write it down on paper and I will either cross it out, but what I like to do is rip it up and throw it away. And then I go to my Bible and I open it and I look for the truth in it. I look for a truth that I can hold on to. And each and every time I am reminded that the promise was never that he would remove the obstacles. In fact, my friends, he may never remove them right? He may never remove my suffering or my pain, but he will be with me in it and through it all. And I know it, right? Because I heard it. The Lord will take care of you. The Lord is with you. He promises himself that that is the promise. His promise is his presence. And um, I don't claim that any of this is easy, not by a long shot, because let's be real. Sometimes we don't want the promise, right? We just want him to fix it. (laughs) And this is why the second key ingredient you mentioned, I think, is really important. You were talking about that idea of, uh, you know, we've got to have a long range focus. And I know that this can be really hard, but, but we have got to remind ourselves every single day, this is not our home. We are not home. We are aiming for heaven. And I was reminded of this by my pastor just the other day. He said, the crosses we carry are our veiled thrones. The crosses we carry are our veiled thrones. What an image. Like this is an image that helps me stay on that highway to heaven. I think it's actually a beautiful image that we can all just keep before our faces on this Lenten pilgrimage because then we can envision our destination. And when we do, oh my gosh, is it not glorious? Mm, That is so beautiful. The crosses we carry are veiled thrones. I love that. I love it. I love it. And you're right, we've got to aim for heaven. And that takes discipline to do that. And it brings me back to the beginning sentence of Psalm 121, which is, I lift up my eyes to the hills. And the hills are meant to be, like that action is meant to be something that's lifting our eyes to an eternal perspective. So that's where the psalmist decided to look. And this reminds me, I have a choice. I decide where my perspective goes. So am I going to look down into my circumstances or up to God for his help? This is always the choice that I've got, and I've got this opportunity to exercise my will. And so that's my prayer as we close out this week, just that we'll be all week long lifting our eyes to the hills up to God, because that is where our help comes from. So I've got a parting question for us, something you can chew on and journal about or go to our Facebook group and go back and forth and comment with each other in that community. When have you seen God show up for you? as your keeper, your bodyguard, your sentry? When has God been your shade, your protection, your shelter? So let me close this out in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Dear Lord, open up our eyes so we can see the many, many times when you are absolutely protecting us and stepping in and guard us against jumping to the conclusion that if our circumstances don't change the minute that we want them to, that you are asleep on the job, because that is a lie. 
You never slumber. You never sleep. Your eyes are trained upon us attentively every single moment. There is nothing that touches us that you do not see and care deeply about. And thank you that you are constantly going before us, making sure that the path is smooth to heaven. And may we look at some of these things that are our obstacles and our hardships as actually opportunities for us to grow. Gosh, it's so hard to say that, God, but I just pray we would gain that perspective. And in those moments when the pain is so acute and we just cannot look at it that way, we just frankly don't want a growth opportunity. And that's a lot of the time. God, just be our comfort. Help us to remember that we're never alone, that you're with us, that you're weeping with us, you're wiping the tears from our eyes, and that your posture towards us is always one of love, of attentive care, and of tenderness. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thanks for listening to Hope for Right Now, a Walking with Purpose podcast. We would love for you to subscribe, share today's episode with a friend, and leave a rate and review. And don't forget, subscribe to our weekly newsletter. This is where you'll get sneak peeks into new content, special events, and exclusive discounts sent directly to your inbox. Finally, we know how important it is to keep the conversation going. So we've created a private Facebook group exclusive to listeners like you. You can find the newsletter and Facebook details all in our show notes. It's our privilege to unpack God's word with you, and we can't wait to do it again next week. Until then, friends, don't forget to open your heart, open your Bible, and invite God in.